0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Flag on the play. That's that's what yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Once every 100 episodes or so, I forget the intro that I've done almost 1,300 times. So that's my life. How are you guys doing? Doing all right? Sweet. For those that didn't know, that was Aaron Rodgers on The Office. So intersection of... My passion and my passion all rolled up into a horrific acting performance and some terrible writing. Why do Packers quarterbacks have to get involved in act, acting and just looking horrible? Although I guess I wouldn't want it to change. Something about Mary without Brett Favre just isn't something, without, something about Mary, you know? But anyways, before we get too far along, um, because I have a tendency to forget stuff, um, I did select a winner for the signed Super Bowl trophy, signed by Super Bowl champion, Leroy Butler. I was supposed to do it yesterday. I didn't. Um, So I did it today. And because I'm uh, recording this about 18 seconds after I just recorded the video, picking the winner, I have no idea if they already know. So I'm just going to announce it here on the podcast right now. And it is none other than Miss Katie Sunderman. Congratulations, Katie. If you wouldn't mind reaching out, let me know that you heard it on the podcast. That'd be fantastic. I'm sure you're listening, because why wouldn't you be? If not, I don't know, I'll, I'll announce it again tomorrow, I guess, I don't know. Somebody will somebody'll tell her. And then just pretend you heard it on the podcast. Don't, don't insult me. Hey, JJ told me I won or whatever. Anyways, um, today's going to be a little bit grab baggy, but I do want to start with uh, one other... Yes, I still have a cough, leave me alone. Uh, one other very important announcement. I talked yesterday about um, Packers ownership, stock, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, whatever you want to call it, but anyways, I have to say a very special thank you to Nick. Despite my um, asking him not to do it, he um, found my Venmo without me sending it to him and sent me $300 so that I could go out and buy Packers stock and become an owner which I know gets under people's skin when you say that term, but I don't know what, what else to call it. So I did it. And it's one of those times, and it's happened several times with this podcast, where um, people go so above and beyond that you feel kind of guilty about it. And I'm in that realm with this situation because I don't know what else to do other than to say thank you. But Nick, once again, thank you very much for uh, for doing that. Very excited to to get that here and hang it up in the old office. I don't actually have hardly anything hung up. I should start hanging stuff up in here. It's my Packers office. But it's going to go up, and i um, very, very excited to be a part of that very exclusive club. I do want to start um, not necessarily fully diving into the Minnesota Vikings, but it is worth noting at the very least that this team, similar to the Packers, but um, maybe more in terms of quantity, absolutely decimated With injuries, Um, I went over to the injury report. The the Vikings, for some reason, have not uh, submitted an injury report. I guess the most recent is last week's. If you go to the Packers injury report, you will see Wednesday's, um, but nothing for the Vikings. So, um, why don't I guess since I'm here, why don't we talk about the? uh, No, we won't. We're not going to do that. We'll do the Vikings. So I found an article here via Dustin uh, Baker at Vikings Territory, whatever. Vikings hope to avoid a dreadful, dreadful news in the latest injury report. Not only will the franchise be without Daniil Hunter, pectoral muscle, Michael Pierce, elbow, Irv Smith, meniscus, and maybe Anthony Barr versus the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, the Vikings could be without several other players if the worst-case scenario plays out. News hit the wire on Wednesday that Brian O'Neill, Greg Joseph, DJ Wonham, Mackenzie Alexander, and Chris Herndon were absent from practice. The working theory is that these absences were COVID-related, although potentially false positive tests. The loss of O'Neal would be a significant hindrance in any game for Minnesota, but without the left tackle against the Packers of all teams, the pain would feel all the more sharpened. He goes on to say that in place of O'Neal, the Vikings would turn to Rashad Hill, who struggled during his starting gig at the beginning of 2021. Hill was eventually replaced by rookie Christian Derrissaw. And this is all within an offensive line that isn't particularly competent with pass protection regardless. The Joseph non-appearance would be weird because the Vikings would either have to sign a free agent kicker or not kick field goals and extra points. Overcoming a -a Wonom absence is less painful because Minnesota has a, a little bit of edge rusher depth. Life without McKenzie would be rough, but the Vikings do have practice squad corners to stop the bleeding. And then tight end depth is too dreadful for the Herndon inclusion on the list. The the Vikings would still need to find a path to victory against Green Bay as the team sits at four and five through 10 weeks, just one half game out of the NFC playoff picture. So anyways, it does sound like there's a lot of positivity that some of these guys should be back, but either way, it's bad. Even if every single one of these people is back, it's pretty bad. And so for a team that is trying to just get its footing, you know, that's trying to um, stop the bleeding in his own words, you really can't be without key players. And it sounds like they already are, and maybe without some more. So, again, we'll follow up on that later on. But uh, as for the Green Bay Packers, came across the old Twitter wires Rogers, Adams, Jones, Bakhtiari, Lazard, and Taylor not practicing for the Packers on Wednesday. Um, Rashawn Gary was practicing during the media portion. Matt LaFleur did say the guys were tired coming out of Sunday, so there is some extra veteran rest today. Or uh, that was a question mark, so I guess maybe there was some theorizing that maybe that was the situation. As far as the official injury report, um, you got Bakhtiari, Jones, obviously, Lazard, and Rodgers not practicing. It does list it for Aaron Rodgers, also Malik Taylor. It does list it as a toe. It doesn't say veteran rest. In fact, none of these say veteran rest, so I'm assuming that that uh, hypothesis was incorrect. Or maybe that's just the rationale. I don't know. Otherwise, uh, Devontae was limited with a shoulder injury. Dominique Daphne, full participant uh, with a hamstring. Rashawn Gary, elbow, limited. Kingsley Kiki, limited concussion. Kevin King, limited groin, uh, shoulder. Equinemius, full participant, ankle injury. Eric Stokes says knee, thumb, um, but he wasn't on the report, so I don't know. He's here, but they didn't say limited full. I would assume if it was full, you would just put full. So I don't don't know. I don't know, man. These things never make sense to me. Um, In other news, Matt LaFleur did his press conference, um, said that David Bakhtiari is still going to be day-to-day, asked if he's going to be playing. He said, I sure hope so. In other words, he's not going to give any information. Um, One of these times, he's just going to play, and we're not going to have... See, the, the, the reporters are going to keep asking, and I'm assuming they fully understand this. I don't know if they do, Matt LaFleur is going to keep this under his vest as long as he possibly can, because it's a massive advantage, not only if they find out last minute that David Bakhtiari is playing, the opponent, I mean, but just the complete reshuffling of the offensive line can be devastating to the opponent. So whether he's going to be out for a long time or whether he's going to be back this week, every answer is going to be he's going to be hopefully this week. But we'll see. We don't know day to day. It might not be till after the bye. It might be two weeks after that. I don't know. But he's going to keep playing this game, pretending he's not sure. And it might be, could be any day now. So in other words, no real information there. Um, he went on to talk about the depth at running back, says Patrick Taylor's going to have to be ready to go. They will see by the end of the week if there are any other options that they should consider. I'm assuming they're making some phone calls and trying to see what else is out there. But again, there's nothing else to report at this time. Talked about uh, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, said he loved, uh, loved Jeff Jefferson coming out of college, did a lot of work on him. Quote, he's a dynamic player, and he has proven that in this league, unquote. Uh, the Packers did reportedly want to trade up for him, but the Vikings stole him. So especially painful for the Jordan Love haters, because had the Vikings not done that, we possibly could have traded up for him instead of drafting Jordan Love, and then Justin Jefferson would be... Um, our number two wide receiver after Devontae, and no question, that would be pretty lethal. Talking about Rashawn Gary, says he's hoping to get Rashawn Gary back sooner than later. He said it may require him to wear a brace, which is just a remarkable (laughs) comment. Continuing on, he said he and Gary were talking about how lucky it was to not have suffered a serious injury given the gruesomeness of the play. So he may not even wear a brace. He may not play, or he may play, and he may not even have a brace. Now, I'm not saying this is all because of Rashawn Gary and his his DNA and his toughness or whatever, but it is a little bit. That guy is a freak, and if he plays this week with no brace whatsoever, he's just, he's, he's superhuman. He's literally a superhero, and I won't be convinced otherwise. A um, couple other little things I wanted to point out. Um, I could basically make a segment out of this, but uh, we'll call them the Dara Stats. Dara was on Twitter. He found a couple things via PFF and some other places, and so I figured I would share them with you since we went through PFF. Uh, this was from several days ago, but I got, I got two different Dara stats. He says, the Packers PFF team defensive grade of 85.9 against the Seahawks was the second highest of any team in any game this year. Only the Buffalo Bills shutout out of Davis Mills and the Texans garnered a higher grade. Again, just spitting in the face of everybody saying the Packers didn't really do anything, it was the refs, all these excuses over and over and over and over. Even PFF trying to find excuses while PFF behind the scenes just completely obliterates their own media team. But an 85.9 was the highest mark of any defense this entire year. In other words, according to PFF, this was the best defensive performance of any team this year, which is, I mean, there have been several shutouts, so that is quite, uh, quite a thing. The other Dara stat for the day, outside cornerbacks to register a sub-80 passer rating and coverage their rookie seasons. Full disclosure, Eric Stokes' season is not over, but the full list, Marcus Peters, Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, and Tredavious White. The list ends there, meaning nobody in 2018, 2019, or 2020 did that. Eric Stokes currently is doing that. That list was since 2015, not for all time. Also just had um, Packer superfan tag me in an article by NBC Sports Chicago. Apparently the mayor of Chicago, Miss Lori Lightfoot, is willing to at least somewhat entertain the idea of the city of Chicago buying the, the Chicago Bears. This would be the greatest possible thing that could ever happen to us. The absolute greatest possible thing. The reason I've always said that you, you've got these teams that are just terrible, like the Lions and the Bengals and whatnot, is sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you get, and I think Detroit is a great example of this, the Fords, the Ford family, leaving aside the part where the current Fords is obviously not the original owner of Ford, but whereas to most people owning a team would be the biggest thing ever, to them it is a minor blip. The Fords hire people from within their company to also manage the Lions, right? This, this high-level person is also going to help us to figure out the Lions and who we should be, uh, you know, drafting, whatever, whatever, right? It, it's just they don't care all that much. They're business people trying to apply business strategies to the NFL instead of hiring NFL people. And it's just, it's just an extra thing that they own. It's somewhat of a status thing. It doesn't work super well. Now, obviously in Buffalo, that's another example of this, but Buffalo is doing quite well right now. I'm not going to rehash that whole thing, but can you imagine, speaking of massive entities owning something that is just a small piece of something that they manage, and manage horrifically, by the way, can you imagine the government trying to run a football team? That would be like the post office versus Amazon. (laughs) You know, the post office that was like billions of dollars in the hole this past year. I mean, they're already poorly run. Who's going to run the team? I don't. I don't. Again, it's 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 a it's a minor thing, and it's probably one of those things somebody asked her, and her answer was basically, "I don't know. It sounds interesting. We'll have to look into it." But all I can say is that would be fantastic, especially Chicago. Chicago is horrific in its ability to run anything, as evidenced by the fact that everybody is fleeing Illinois, fleeing. As one of those people, I can attest to you, it's real. My dad is no longer there. Lots of family from my mom's side are leaving and have left. Friends from high school left. Nobody wants to live. It's just, it's, it's, it's a garbage state run by a garbage city. And that's not to say the city itself doesn't have some charm to it, but the management is horrible. And they would run a sports team? Please, please find a way, make a way. By the way, this is probably somewhat in response to the team threatening to leave or whatever. They're fighting back with, well, maybe we'll buy that. It's it's all stupid, but man, that there's nothing that could be better than that. Nothing in the world could be better than um, the city of Chicago buying the Chicago Bears and trying to run it. That would just be the greatest thing ever. But anyways, that was just a random thing somebody just tagged me in right now. I thought I'd comment on that. Um, anyways, why don't we take a break uh, right here because I kind of want to just jump on some other topics and just run with it. Uh, Once again, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy would be the place to do that. It'd be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, So I want to start off with something here that, um, who is calling me? It's going to be spam. I'm so sick of, all right, this is probably for the rant podcast, but can somebody explain to me why voicemail hasn't been updated? That The 45-minute process I have to go through to delete spam is the most infuriating thing in my entire life. Does that mean I have a very privileged life? Yes, it does, but I'm still annoyed. So there you go. Anyways, um, I wanted to look at this, and, and this is kind of, Things have evolved since I finally found this and what I wanted to talk about necessarily, but the main thing that I wanted to bring up is the annoyance that I have, as I've mentioned several times, but the the general annoyance I have with the aversion to giving the Packers any credit whatsoever. Now, this has changed a bit, and if you look right now at the vast majority of power rankings, the Packers are quite high. If they're not number one, as many of them have the Packers, then they are... Um, you know, very high. But at the conclusion of Sunday, it became one of one of the most popular things I saw everywhere was are the Cowboys now the number one team in the NFC? Possibly in, in the NFL. And I thought, you know, the Packers have have just been on an absolute tear. They've done fantastic every single week since week one with their only loss coming by, what, six points against the Chiefs when their Hall of Fame quarterback wasn't playing? And this is one week after the Dallas Cowboys lost in in humiliating fashion to a subpar football team. And with the Packers completely shutting out the Seattle Seahawks, the conclusion was the Cowboys are now the best team in the NFC. And it just, you know, it just kind of drove me nuts. But One of the things that, um, and again, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but one of the things that was sent to me, somebody sent me 538, which is a, uh, I guess I don't know exactly what it is. Somebody has created it and it has a lot of different polls and statistics and whatnot. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say PFF, but they've got a lot of polls and and statistical type things, largely political, but they do have sports in here as well. And um, they've got in here Odds to make the playoffs, win the division, first-round by, and win the Super Bowl. As far as the NFC is concerned, the Green Bay Packers are number one, with a greater than 99% chance of making the playoffs, the only NFC team with a greater than 99% chance. In other words, it's basically a certainty. 95% chance of winning the division. They have the Cowboys at 90. Getting a first-round by, meaning being the best team in the NFC, The Cowboys are at 21%. In fact, the Cardinals are at 22%. The Packers, 45%. And then winning the Super Bowl, the Cardinals and the Cowboys at 9%. Buccaneers at 8% and all down from there. The Packers, 16% tied with the Tennessee Titans, who are the AFC favorite. And and the, the biggest reason the Titans are so high is apparently because they're so much better than everybody else in the AFC. Now I would nec- I would sort of dispute that in regard to the Bills and probably even the Patriots at this point, but at least in terms of their record, they're pretty much far and away ahead of everybody. But again, it, it's just one of these things where you look at it and from a statistical standpoint, the Packers kind of stand alone right now. They're they're doing everything right. They've they've got an offense that isn't necessarily as elite as it has been but it's clearly a dangerous component and a defense that is top three in the NFL right now. And again, everybody is... The, the funny thing is one of the articles that I saw that said, are the Cowboys the best team in football right now? When you click on it, it actually had the Packers higher in their ranking, but that's that was the title that they decided to go with to get you to click on the article. So you know, I, I had somebody else message me on Twitter and say, why do you guys care so much about respect and everything else? And it, it it's different for everybody. Same with the Packers stock. I mean, I can't speak for the entire fan base and why it bothers all of us or or the ones that are bothered why. But I, I think largely for me, partially because it's the team that I root for, and you want your team to be, you know, when, think of it this way, if your kid, let's say was on a basketball team, and let's say he is the best player on the team, scores the most goals, best defender, all that stuff, and... Everybody, let's say the coaches, the parents, whoever, I don't know exactly what the parallels would be, but they're all just kind of talking about the other, like two other players as being like the top player. And the coach keeps like calling the other guy the captain. And I'm not trying to just be biased because it's my kid, but it's because it's my kid who is better than the other ones and he's not getting the credit he deserves. So there are other teams. I I think the Patriots are underrated right now based on how they're playing, just like I think the Rams are massively overrated. The Bills are underrated massively, as evidenced by the fact that the Titans are seen as the top team, and I think the Bills are better. But I specifically highlight the Packers because it's just—and it ties in into my inability to tolerate things that don't make sense. Again, Matt LaFleur is not only not given the credit—the the guy is literally breaking NFL records as we speak, every single week. Nobody talks—nobody cares. It's not interesting for some reason— But it's not just that he's not being given the credit he deserved. It's the fact that coaches who are not doing what he's doing are being given the credit. And other people are going so far as to call him a terrible coach. Guys like Michael Lombardi. And so, yeah, at some point, the brain kind of breaks a little bit. And this was another one of those moments where it's like the Packers just did another incredible thing. They are now the top team in the NFC. Only one other team with that record. And it's a team we just beat. And all I saw all over Twitter was... Are the Cowboys now the top team? Are you freaking kidding any excuse that they can get, any excuse whatsoever to not admit the Packers are a really good team, they're gonna take it. And it just annoys me. I don't mind if you wanna say things that are correct, assuming that it's just an an observation. You know, some people say things that are correct, but they only highlight the negative because they don't like the Packers. That's gonna be kind of annoying. But you know, I'm not I'm not saying I want you to admit the Packers have the best offense in football because they don't. That's stupid. I'm not even saying, say, the Packers have the best defense in football because I don't think they do. And it's just, it's not, it's not something I'm going to make somebody say. But just the general aversion to anything positive for the Packers that has been going on for years now, I cannot understand it. And again, the only thing I can, I, I can really say is, I, I don't even necessarily think it's bias. I just think the media is so slow. And I think the reason that they're slow isn't because of their intellect. It's just because of, it's sort of a groupthink culture. Everybody's so scared to go out on their own and, and, you know, have a a differing opinion. And the evidence of that would be the fact that Green Bay had become kind of a bad team and nobody would admit that for a very long time. Nobody would admit Aaron Rodgers was declining. Nobody would touch that. He was. He He was not performing at as high of a level as he should have been. Packers team overall was just something was wrong, but it was still that thing where oh the Packers were still favorites to win the Super Bowl, Packer, Packer, you know, it's it's not like there's been this bias since forever. If if anything, for most of my life, the Packers were seen as just this dominant, unstoppable force all the way back to Brett Favre. The gushing, oh my goodness, um, John Madden gushing over um, Brett Favre was just a, a thing of glory for Packer fans. And it probably just made Bears and Vikings and Lions fans sick, and probably other fans as well, just tired of hearing about it. Every year, Packers are the favorite. I got the Packers to win. I, Aaron Rodgers, greatest quarterback of all. And, and now they're doing it with Pat Mahomes. And again, it's going to take some time. They're eventually going to turn the corner on that. And so I don't necessarily see it as just this hateful bias. I, I It just annoys me that it's just incorrect and stupid. And there's just this, again, this aversion to just saying what's plainly right in front of you. It's just sitting there, dude. Which team is the best? I don't know. Who has the best record? Packers and Cardinals. Okay. Any of those teams sound good? And there, there's always a thing with the Packers. Well, I don't know. The Packers don't really have na-na-na. But nobody has like... Eh. The Buccaneers have lost like the last two in a row. Again, Dallas. Dallas just got embarrassed by the Broncos. There's no team that doesn't have like a thing that makes you go, I don't know. Every team has a thing that makes you go, I don't know. Even the Bills. We I played that clip of the Bills guy. Talking about how Josh Allen is clearly having a bad year and he's getting a pass for it because everybody's kind of overcompensating to cover it up. You know, the, the play of the defense or whatever it might be. So why does everybody else get a pass? Again, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's just that there isn't a level playing field. I don't know. The, the, the Packers' defense is kind of fake. You know, I mean, I, I think they're just getting lucky or whatever the case may be. We know that they're not that good which, again, is stupid because any other team changes defensive coordinators and becomes a top-five defense, all they're going to do is say, this is the new-look the new look Bills or the new-look Cowboys or whatever it is. The Packers, though, I don't know. It's Packers' defense. They're not going to be very good. It was Russell, and, 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 and you know, Mahomes had some issues, and uh, I have no idea what to say the excuse is for the Cardinals, but it's a thing. You know, and Aaron Rodgers isn't really playing at as high of a level. and. Uh, I don't want to. Okay, so do that to every other team. No, I'm not going to do that. Cowboys just annihilated a team, probably the best in football. That's a different standard. That is a completely different standard. And so, yes, that annoys me. Does it diminish in any way my joy of the team? Not at all. I think in some way, I just like to kind of argue a little bit, especially, again, when when I see things that just don't make sense. I'm going to scream in your face that you're being stupid because it just, I don't know, it just feels good. But, but it, it's not... And the person that messaged me on Twitter was a Vikings fan and was kind of just looking from the outside saying, why do you guys do this? Like, why aren't you grateful for having it? Oh, oh, believe me, I am. I have no, it doesn't impact what the team actually is. And I'm not saying that it does. I know what the team is. That's why I'm arguing. I'm arguing because I know what the team is and you're not saying it properly. But make no mistake, I am enjoying the heck out of this team. Anyways, um, speaking of something kind of similar, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Ben Baldwin. I'm not going to pretend to know much about Ben Baldwin. Um, A lot of people on Twitter are very familiar with him. He is, um, apparently he writes for The Athletic, but what he is is he's a big, like, stat nerd. Apparently he's a Seahawks fan, and he hates, 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 hates the Packers. Now, I tend to think it's because Packer fans are very, um, they don't put up with anything on Twitter. So if you say something bad about the Packers, you're going to get attacked, and then it just kind of creates this thing where you really, um, hate stuff. But maybe not. Maybe he just genuinely hates the Packers. But I, I, this, first of all, this is different because we know he has a bias. He maybe won't admit it, but it, it's very obvious that he has a an anti-Green Bay Packers bias. In fact, he even goes so far as to highlight um, anti-Packers stuff in his statistics. But the reason I wanted to talk about Ben Baldwin is... Again, I, I struggle to not make societal parallels. But there are certain times when people are seen, because, I mean, there's no question he's very good at statistics and he understands um, how these things work and how to derive statistics and he knows terminology. Um, He loves to talk about R, which, I I, whatever. But he's seen as sort of an authority. And so he'll put things out there and there's a huge proportion of people who will look at that and, and, and see that as definitive. And it's silly because some of the stuff he's putting out there is just stupid. And it's, it's a perfect example of stats don't lie, people do. Everything he's saying is correct. These are just numbers. He's just throwing numbers on graphs. The problem isn't the numbers, it's the conclusion from the numbers. And the complete inability of some people to kind of see through the numbers and understand what the actual conclusion from these numbers is, as opposed to what he's telling you the conclusion is, is staggering to me. And he does this a lot. One of the things that I jumped on, um, because it just, I don't know, I, I think I only see it because um, a lot of Packer fans like to jump on this. I'm not following him. I'm not interested in, in what he has to say about stuff. For the, for this exact reason, I mean, it, it's probably interesting if I can look at it and draw my own conclusion. So maybe I should, but he's just obnoxious. He put together this little chart. And what it says is, def- so let me read the, he calls it defensive series result. And he puts underneath that, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but the Packers defense, comma, 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 is not good. Why comma? I don't know. But that that's, again, this is how, where his bias comes in. He knows, the Packers have a really good defense, or at least they've been performing really, really well. That's not debatable. They have been. He wants to highlight the Packers are not good by using this metric. Now, the, the funny thing, right out of the gate, and it's not to say that statistics can't find something underlying within, for example, the Packers' defensive performance to say that it's not as good as we might think it is. That's possible. But the fact that he believes that we should not believe our own very eyes and the results that have been put in front of us, but instead should believe this, should give him pause automatically. Maybe there's something wrong with my numbers because the conclusions I'm drawing are not lining up with reality. So, for example, the second highest grade on here he has is the Panthers. I'm not saying the Panthers' defense is um, bad, but the second best defense in football, they, they have Buffalo number one, which, okay, that's fine. Panthers number two, Cowboys number four. In fact, one of the teams that's above us is the Jacksonville Jaguars at 14th. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 2-7, and who are 27th in points and 20th in yards, he has, on his brilliant metric here, um, 14th. But as I started to look into it, I said, okay, well, what is this? Because he doesn't explain anything. And so I'm looking at it, and you see a percentage, and it says touchdown or first down. So, for example, let's look at the top. You have Buffalo Bills, and each you would assume that these percentages equal 100% because this is how a series ended. 64% of the time, touchdown or first down, field goal, 7%, turnover, 13%, punt, 16%. Now, I'm very confused as to what the first down thing even means, first of all, because some people had suggested that what it is, is you add up the first downs. In other words, a series is not like a, a total drive all the way down the field. It's first down, second down, third down, fourth down. So 64% of the time, against the Bills' defense, you end up getting a first down or a touchdown. 7% field goal, 13% turnover, 16% punt. Okay, so according to this, that makes the Buffalo Bills the best defense in football. Why? Why does that make the Buffalo Bills the best defense in football? I had somebody try to explain it to me and said, well, the teams that are giving up touchdowns and first downs are teams that are more likely to be giving up scores or touchdowns or whatever but that that complete that makes absolutely no sense if the question is how many points do you give up in an average series or game we have that metric already why do we need this we can look at points and again the packers right now are third so why don't we just look at touchdowns compared to field goals compared to turnovers and punts why are first downs put in here now, I'm not saying this is useless information. What, what, it, what it can tell you is how stingy a defense is. But really, the most important metric in this whole thing is the first downs. It, it is because it accounts for what happens most of the time. Obviously, 64% of the time, you're not scoring a touchdown on a series. So really what this is, is looking at how many first downs you get. How many first downs until you score a touchdown? How many first downs until you kick a field goal? How many first downs until a turnover? How many first downs until you punt? So if you get a bunch of three and outs, there's not a lot of first downs. So you could say, well, that means you have a a good defense because it's just looking at the whole picture because you don't want to give up first downs either. Okay, what happens if on the first play of the game, of a series, whatever, I throw an 80-yard pass for a touchdown, and on the next series, or I guess give up, and on the next series, I do it again. And then I do it again and I do it again. I do it four times in a row. Right now, we're at 100% touchdowns or first downs. The next series, I kick a field goal. The next series, I punt. That would put me at 60% for touchdowns or first downs, three of five, 20% field goal, 20% punt. That would make me put me at the highest punt percentage and the lowest touchdown or first down percentage of any other team on here. Does that sound like a good defense to you? I just gave up three straight 80-yard touchdown passes. It's not a good metric. It's, it's combining touchdowns and first downs, which doesn't make any sense. And, and again, as the guy pointed out to me, well, by gauging this, you're getting a better idea of who's the worst defense that's giving up more points. We can just look at points, though. We get, <laughs> it doesn't, we're chasing our tail here. So there, there's, there's details within here. So, for example, Ben don't break defenses are going to look terrible on this chart. Because even if you don't give up any touchdown, let's say you give up zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns. And let's say it's a 40-play drive. Well, uh, that's silly. It doesn't have to be how long the drive is. But it's if you go exactly 10 yards all the way down the field, from the goal line to the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, that's nine first downs. And then you throw a pick. That's 10% turnover, 90% touchdown or first down. 90%. Now you can say, well, that's not a very good defensive performance because you let them drive all the way down the field. That's kind of fair, but I still struggle to see how an 80-yard touchdown pass for a touchdown, followed by let's say the next series is a pick, is a better defensive performance than that one series that ended with no points in a pick. Is listen. The whole goal is is points. That's it. That's the thing that matters. How you go about getting it, who cares? There are, defense that are s- defenses that are structured differently. This is a stingy defense metric, and even that is kind of cloudy. So the point is, this whole thing is kind of useless because it's lacking so much context. But he throws this together and says, oh, look, the Packers' defense isn't good. How can you say that? Well, because 74% of their drives, their series... End in first downs or touchdowns. Well, here's an interesting thought. Why don't we find out how many are touchdowns? Considering they're third in giving up points, I'd be willing to bet they're one of the lowest in giving up touchdowns in the NFL. If that's true, you're essentially saying the Packers' defense is not good because they give up a lot of first downs on a on a series. A, A series ends with first downs. But then at the conclusion, again, because we know they don't give up a lot of points, they don't give up the touchdown. Also, field goals. The Green Bay Packers are the lowest in percentage of field goals given up. The lowest, 4%. 9% turnover rate, though, is one of the highest. You've got one, two, three, four, five that are at 9% or higher. In other words, they're tied for fifth highest in turnover percentage. Series ending in turnovers. And again, even that is kind of misleading because we're not talking about drives, we're talking about series. So if the Packers get a pick on a 10-play drive, as opposed to another team that gets a pick on a five-series uh, drive. I'm, I'm using my terms incorrectly, not play, but series drive. In other words, conclusion of the downs. Despite the fact that it's the exact same result, the team that did it in five is better than the team that did it in 10, according to this. It's, 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 it's kind of garbage information. There's, there's too much clouded here, and it's, it's kind of just a useless pile of numbers that doesn't make a lot of sense, all compiled together. And again, the best that I can tell is that this is a stingy defense metric. But even that isn't necessarily true. Further context is needed. You might be a defense that gets a lot of three and outs. You might be a defense that gives up a lot of big plays. Either way, it's going to end up about the same. Also, as somebody else pointed out, special teams plays into this. If you have a really good special teams, the opponent is going to start further into their own territory, meaning they're going to have to drive further down the field to get an, an eventual score, meaning you're going to end up worse on this metric. Whereas if you have terrible special teams and a team starts at like the 50-yard line, they can get a touchdown in four plays or, you know, yeah, have four plays, two series, whatever. That isn't a function of how good your defense is. That is no, your defense gave up a touchdown on the drive. But according to this metric, your defense is better because they only use two series to score. But this is just what you got to watch out for. And, and everybody does this stuff. And I've talked about this before, but with uh, what's his name, Yannick Ngakwe, where they talked about how great he was. And all I did was look at the stats and just put the two and two together and say, wait a minute. Why are you choosing these certain things and those certain things? And that's not necessarily what he's doing. He's not saying, I want an end result. How can I how can I uh, twist the numbers that are here to make it seem a certain way, right? Let's omit these years and then use these weird phrases, you know, like mid-September, sacks in 2015 or 2019 and 2020. Like, you know what I mean? Just stupid stuff. But this is... This is just compiling data that you think is interesting, but it just doesn't tell me anything. Because again, even with Buffalo, 64%. Okay, so, so why? I'm assuming it's because they're actually stingy, because it is a good defense. But I don't know that. It could be a combination. They are 13% our interceptions, so maybe they get a ton of interceptions, which will end a series. But they also give up a lot of big plays, so there's not a lot of first downs given up. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I can't actually draw any conclusions. And you got this guy who is supposedly really good at statistics, and maybe he's really good at harvesting statistics and and putting together charts and models, but is not very good at drawing conclusions, which is a separate skill set. Or the better way to do it would be to look at it from the other direction, which is to say, I want to draw a conclusion. How can I draw this conclusion? And then you have to figure out what data we need and then figure out how to go get that data. He's good at getting the data. I don't know that he's very good at, at... Drawing conclusions. But the fact of the matter is, he says right here, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. So I'm not giving him a pass that he's not saying this is a rank of defenses. This is what he says. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but the Packers' defense is not good. He's drawing a conclusion in its entirety about how good the defense is based on this, which makes no sense. Again, at best, we're saying, that really good defenses do these things. And if you're a really good defense, you'll end up giving up less points. And again, there, there is reason to try to find ways other than just looking at points. Because maybe there are other extenuating circumstances. You went up against bad teams, uh, whatever. And so it'll help you predict into the future. For example, on my little streak thing, I picked the 49ers to win. I wasn't very confident in that pick. But I wanted to stand by the fact that I said the Rams are overrated. Why did I say the Rams are overrated? Because I looked at the context of their record. And so sometimes looking at context beyond just a record, beyond just third best defense or whatever the case may be, is necessary. But this isn't the way to do that. This is taking piles of information, putting it into a, a, just a pile, calling it relevant data with no context. And, and, and you know it's bad data when a good metric can be acquired by doing things good and by doing things bad that doesn't make any sense what you would need to do is find things that are only good and then explain to me why these are the most important metric and how you came to the conclusion of quantifying it to this degree because there's a lot of different variables in making a good defense why do you choose this as being the most important metric and variable so Listen, I, I know Ben Baldwin is, is very respected, and he's very talented in certain things. But being talented in certain things doesn't mean you're talented in everything. I'm sure he's extremely intelligent. I'm sure he knows a lot of different things. But this is stupid. This is dumb. This, this is not how you draw conclusions that make any sense. And again, if he just wanted to post this and say, here's some interesting information. Again, I disagree because I, I can't pull any concrete information out of this. You just can't. That's, that's how you know it's just actually just garbage data. Because there there is no actual conclusions you can draw from any of these. Because they can be come to in different ways. But he was all excited because the Packers ranked 19th in this metric. Which again, he should have had a moment of saying, maybe this whole thing that I'm putting together is stupid. Because they rank third in points and yards. His very next uh, tweet says, we need a separate quarantined internet for Wisconsin. Nothing good happens there. So again, he's just, he's very anti-Wisconsin. He's a he he's he's the premier elitist. He really is. He believes he's better than everybody. I don't know if he's from the Seattle area or whatever, but he's he's a a coastal elitist that looks at Wisconsin as this area of really stupid people. And if anybody like me were to say anything like, "Hey, here's why your data is stupid." He wouldn't even engage. He would say something like this, granted he was responding to somebody being kind of stupid, but all I'm saying is, you got to take all this stuff with a grain of salt, and that includes things that are positive for the Packers and anything that I say. But I, I just think he is—he's uh, very full of himself, and he—he he, he relies too much. He's like one of those people that—that's a scientist that believes science can explain everything, even though it literally can't even explain the sentence that I just said—that science can explain everything. There's no scientific basis for that statement. Can't explain history, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's this belief that I am. I am bigger than I am because I am a major understander and mover and shaker in the area of, in this case, analytics. And and with this superpower, I can see all things. I am the great knower of all things. And he's just way too up in his own head about this stuff. Because, again, that, that whole thing was just stupid and useless. And, again, I'm sure he does great stuff. I don't know. I don't follow him. The only time I see him is when Packer fans attack him and it pops up in my timeline. It's like, oh, great, not this guy again. Really got to get get going to bed here, but just as as another example, real quick. He says, I get a lot of requests for modifying figures I make along the lines of, what would it look like without week X included or since week Y? I don't think removing arbitrary weeks is a good idea, so I don't do this. There's no reason to think restructuring weeks is more informative. That sentence right there is, um, well, he should be able to figure out why it would be, but I guess he can't. He says, uh, the one exception is when there's a quarterback injury or change. For example, when in, in the Jordan Love game for the Packers, if you wanted to do a close look at Green Bay's offense with Rodgers, this matters. But otherwise, just use everything, in my opinion. Would the Titans Packers look better if you ignore week one? Yes. Is there any reason to do this? No. It's not true. Now, I fully understand, and I say this all the time, too. You can't just throw out random weeks, or even if you did for the Packers, you'd have to do that to be fair to other teams, too. But there's... Several reasons why you would do this, and especially a statistics guy should know all of these things. Number one, where he says, if you wanted to take a closer look at Green Bay's offense with Rodgers, this matters. It's not just a matter of looking at Rodgers, though. It's answering the question, what is the Green Bay Packers offense, or what is this team in general? Unless we think Aaron Rodgers is not going to be playing, throwing out the game with Jordan Love is more the right thing to do than not. Beyond that, he's a big proponent of um, football outsiders, the DVOA folks. They do exactly this. They have adjusted metrics that take into account the more recent weeks as opposed to the older weeks. So throwing out week one especially, or older weeks, or weighting heavier toward more recent weeks, does have statistical relevance because we assume that things change over time. If things don't change over time, there's no reason to do this. As an example, let's just say I started lifting weights, and I haven't done it in years. So I I start bench pressing, and let's just say I can only lift 100 pounds. And every week, we uh, write down what my new weight is. And by the end of the year, I'm bench pressing 200 pounds. If you wanted to know how much weight I could lift, would you look at what I just lifted? Or would you average all of those weeks? Averaging it doesn't make any sense. If you want a picture of what things are now, you want to look at kind of now. What are they right now? That doesn't just mean the most recent game, because it's, it's a little bit different than the analogy I gave, but you get the idea. Things are changing over time. Therefore, the older the information, the less relevant the information. Beyond that, there's another reason. It's called anomaly. If you're a race car driver and you drive around a track, let's say it takes, I don't know, 20 seconds. I have no idea. It takes 20 seconds to get around this track, and you want to know roughly how long it takes. So, you know, one time it's 21 seconds, one time it's 20 and a half, one time it's 19.97. And one time I blow out my engine, or I blow out a tire, and I get across the finish line, but it took me like 40 seconds. Would averaging give you the best picture of how long I'm going to get? You could make an argument that that should be taken into account because you could blow a tire again next time. But you're not going to get a good result. You're going to end up somewhere around 25 seconds. And the odds of me getting this in 25 seconds, I'll tell you what, you go ahead and bet 25 seconds, I'm going to bet the under, and I'm going to win a lot of money on you. It's not the most accurate picture. If somebody were to ask you, how long does it take this guy to get around the track? If you say 25 seconds, you're dumb. Throw out the anomalies. Now, it's, it's hard to know, like, what, you know you can get into dicey territory deciding what's actually an anomaly, because every football game is somewhat of an anomaly. But in the case of the Titans and the Packers in particular, Week 1 is a very clear outlier. And because there's reason to understand why it would happen, being that it's Week 1, being that there was not a lot of time to um, prepare, because you know a lot of starters aren't playing in the preseason and whatnot, at the very least, it's reasonable to not put as much weight into that game as everything else. And if you're just going to average it out, I don't think that gives you the most clear picture. So again, for him to say, is there any reason to do this no with an exclamation point? uh, Yes, there is a reason. It may not be the right reason. It may not be the best thing to do. And I'm not, again, you get into super dicey territory where every team just gets to pick their worst games and say, those are anomalies, they don't count. Okay, well then you got to cut out all the really good games too, because those are anomalies. And then you might as well cut out the middle ones, too, because technically those are anomalies because, you know, we're talking about a third, a third, a third. I mean, what's, what constitutes an anomaly? It's not an easy thing to do, but to say that there's never a reason is ridiculous. But anyways, again, it's it's all interesting information, and you should look at it. Just make sure you don't just take his conclusion. Look at what the data is and then figure out what it's telling you. It might be stupid. It might be nonsense, but it might be interesting. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.